Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Big news out of Madison, the state Senate voting in favor of getting rid of the governor's health emergency and mask mandate. The state's mask mandate survives. It was expected the assembly was going to vote to stop it. The state risked losing this federal food aid money. It was a bad idea to end the emergency order and the mask mandate anyway. But now we know that it also has a price tag. All of that stuff is at risk right now because we want to argue about whether or not we should put this on our face. I certainly don't want to discourage anybody from wearing a mask. Everybody should. Uh, but it doesn't have to be a dictate from the governor. I think that for the Republicans, the goal is making some political point uh, with the intent of damaging the governor. Ten months into the coronavirus pandemic, the Wisconsin legislature is still debating if you should be required to wear a mask in public places. That is just one of many COVID-19 related debates going on in Madison as the Republican legislature and Democrat Governor Tony Evers continue to spar over the politics of the pandemic. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson here with Amanda St. Hilaire. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Brian. We are recording this episode on Tuesday, February 2nd. And we are joined once again by Fox 6 political reporter Jason Calvi. Jason, welcome back. Thanks for having me. So, Jason, we're going to start with this ongoing debate over the governor's statewide mask mandate. It's been extended multiple times. Last week, Senate Republicans voted to end that mandate. But in a twist here, the Republican-led assembly did not take a vote at all. So what happened? So, yeah, we were on the cusp of that vote on Thursday morning. Uh, We expected that they were going to pass that repeal of the statewide emergency, health emergency, which is the basis for the mask mandate. It was expected that vote was going to go forward on Thursday. But take it back to Wednesday, the day before that vote, the Hunger Task Force put out an alert that some of this tens of millions of dollars in federal funds was at stake if the state got rid of their health emergency. Uh, So that triggered uh, Evan Goyke, Representative Goyke of Milwaukee, to ask the Legislative Fiscal Bureau, which is sort of the nonpartisan budgeting agency in, in, in of, of the of the capital uh what's going on is this true and they did come out with with a report a memo late wednesday night that's just hours before the assembly was supposed to vote they said yes indeed the state risked losing this federal money it was about 49 million dollars this month of january uh about 242 100, people in wisconsin received this additional supplemental money from the federal government. It is part of all those COVID relief packages, a part of the COVID relief packages passed by Congress and signed by President Trump was extra money for the food stamp program. And so every month, Wisconsinites are receiving this extra money 
couple hundred dollars per family, for example. Um, but again, Wisconsin was set to lose $49 million. If it, this, the, the, the numbers change at month to month, but this month of January, Wisconsin received $49 million with, from this program, 242,000 uh, people in the state receiving this extra money. And according to the Legislative Fiscal Bureau, in order to receive that money, you, the state, any state in the country needs to have a health emergency in place to qualify for that additional federal food aid money. And then I also spoke with the USDA and they agreed. They said, yes, in order to receive that additional SNAP, the, the additional food stamp money, a state level public health emergency needs to be on the book. So that's why on Thursday, Republicans in the assembly were scrambling. They were meeting behind closed doors for about more than four hours. They were trying to figure out what to do. And at the end of the day, on Thursday, that day of that expected vote, they came out and said, they're not voting. They want to do their due diligence and find out if there's a way to repeal the health emergency without risking losing all of that money. We're talking, again, $49 million a month for the poor to help them buy food. Jason, I want to step back away from the food chair element of this for just a moment and ask, after all of this time with the state mask mandate having been in place as long as it was and the controversy over whether or not the governor had overstepped his authority in, in issuing that in, and ex particularly extending that, why now is the legislature finally coming around to say we can take action to end this? Why didn't they act sooner? And, and, and why do they suddenly believe they now have the power to end a mandate that they have done nothing about up until this point? It's a long process. You're right. Uh, when they were at the Wisconsin Supreme Court, one of the reasons why they said they didn't want to go forward with having a vote to repeal the health emergency, which is the basis of this mask mandate, uh, was because they didn't they thought it was illegal. They thought the governor didn't have the authority. So therefore, if they were to have a vote repealing this health emergency, then it would give credence to the fact that this was a legal uh, a legal health emergency. They wanted to go through the courts and they were asking, you know, the Wisconsin Supreme Court at this very moment uh, has been sitting on a case. They, they, they heard oral arguments in November of 2020 on this issue. Does the governor have the power to issue multiple, multiple health emergencies on the same, on the same issue? Uh, according to Wisconsin law, and Republicans will always point to, to this issue that in Wisconsin law, it says a Wisconsin governor can declare an emergency, but that emergency can last 60 days unless it's extended by the legislature. And in this instance, Governor Evers, since last March, has issued a number, he's repeatedly issued health emergencies of 60 days. Subsequent health emergencies after the original health emergency that he issued in March expired, he's issued a number of them. And then since July, with these additional health emergencies, he's added on to that health emergency, another order mandating masks in public places uh, across the state. So that's been only since July has he been issuing the mask mandate. And again, originally Republicans said they wanted to challenge this in court because they thought he, it was illegal for him to issue these subsequent health emergencies. In court, the Evers administration says, well, the pandemic has changed, it's evolved. So the governor is not responding to the same health emergency he responded to in March. Things have changed, he needs to be able to act, they say, uh, when, when things change regarding this pandemic. And they say these health emergency powers are not one and done. So again, that is an issue for the Supreme Court to, to weigh. They're, they're still weighing it. We don't know exactly when they're gonna issue their ruling uh, asking, uh, asking uh, them to strike down his health emergency as violating that law, which I just, just told you about the 60 day window there for an emergency. So that's one point was, 
you know, waiting for it in court. Secondly, it's a very, very difficult political issue because when you look at the Marquette University poll from the fall, a huge percentage of the state supported a mask mandate. So, uh, and I remember talking to one senator who was up for for re-election uh, this fall and Alberta Darlene, and, and you know, I asked her about the mask mandate. She says it's a very tough issue because you've got you've got people that support it, you've got people that don't support it. And it is a contentious issue. We see that in the state of Wisconsin, that it is a contentious issue for some. And uh, and so, you know, there was a sense maybe of waiting until after the election. So here we are in now it's February, uh, but the vote was going to be in January uh, at the end of January last week. And uh, so now the fact that he's issued another emergency, another mask mandate, uh, it was seen as, as time to, to go forward with, with challenging in the legislature. And then, of course, this whole food share issue came up, which really abruptly canceled or at least postponed the assembly voting on this issue. The Senate did vote, as, as Amanda said, the Senate did vote last Tuesday to repeal this health emergency. Well, and to be clear, the reason the mask mandate is such the focus of this health emergency is because originally when Governor Evers declared his health emergency, it was a it was a sweeping order, right? It imposed a, a lot of different rules, different restrictions. And then when he tried to extend that, that was a case that went to court and Wisconsin State Supreme Court, uh, they overturned that. So the mask mandate really effectively has been the only statewide COVID-19 restriction for several months now, right? Mm -hmm. That's yeah, that's right. We're talking about this is the one thing that the governor and and his administration is 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 using right now. We've seen them try to also limit occupancy. Um, All all these issues are in court. So that that issue of occupancy and and limiting the number of people that can be in a public a public building at the same time that issues in court the mask mandates in court but the mask mandate even though it's in court it's still in effect right now it's still mandated when you're going into a public building to to mask up in the state of wisconsin yeah jason i wonder and i know we've got some other topics we're going to talk about but i just wonder here this food share issue certainly has thrown a wrinkle into things for uh republicans in the legislature um and there are certainly some conservatives across the state who are very upset that the assembly didn't take this vote as had been expected and and what i wonder is are you getting an assessment as to whether or not this food share issue is really the thing or is it sort of a red herring is it something is it covered for some assembly Republicans who've gotten cold feet and don't want to take that vote because, as you said, overall polls are showing it's a, a rather popular mandate. Right, and not, not only is it popular, but you've got all of these groups in Wisconsin right now who are registering their opposition with the legislature moving forward with repealing. So there's a couple steps of double negatives there, but these groups, what they pretty much want is they want to see the mask mandate continue in Wisconsin. So you're seeing groups like the Medical College of Wisconsin, you're seeing faith groups, you're seeing Milwaukee Public Schools. They're all saying to the legislature, they're officially registering, saying they want to see this mask mandate continue in Wisconsin. And Jason, I bring that up because that's not the only place I've seen this confusion surface. This has been such a complicated issue that while all of the sort of ins and outs and inside baseball of legislative debate in Madison is going on, there have been headlines and other things that have come out that are confusing as to who's opposing what here in the end. Obviously, we have a mask mandate. We know the governor supports continuing that. DHS supports it. Republicans in the legislature want to repeal that. I guess what I wonder in the end as an average person in the state is... If they vote 
because they haven't decided not to necessarily. But if they vote to repeal this, do we have to stop wearing masks? Can we like what happens? What's the fallout if they vote to end the mask mandate? So a couple of points. One is if they vote and, and Republicans will be huddling behind closed doors today, Republicans in the assembly to kind of talk about next steps. So stay tuned. Uh, by the time you're listening to this podcast, we may have some updates on Republicans next steps. But first of all, let's just say let's just assume that tomorrow or Thursday they vote to repeal the health emergency. So there's no longer health emergency. Governor Evers could at that point, if he wanted to, issue a new health emergency and then a new mask mandate on Thursday. So that's point number one. He was asked about this on Friday during his uh, his media briefing on, on health issues. And he said it was too soon to weigh whether he would issue a new health emergency. But he could. He could just issue a new emergency and then it would lead again to the legislature needing to gavel back in and have another session where they would potentially strike down the health emergency. So you could see they could just play ping pong where they the, the assembly or the legislature strikes down the health emergency and then the governor Evers issues a new one. That's option one. Uh, option number two is the Senate. The Senate Rep- uh, Republicans have put forward an amendment to an overall uh, COVID-19 bill that would allow governor Evers to issue a health emergency for the purposes of triggering that health emergency for the purposes of, of capturing that federal food share money. So basically a health emergency with no mandates. With no mandates, no mask mandate, but it would allow the state to say they have a health emergency so then they can receive the federal money. But the problem with that is this COVID-19 bill has many, several parts of it that Democrats really object to. And so, for example, uh, allowing employers to um, stopping employers from mandating the the vaccine for their employees, that would be one thing that Republicans have added on to their COVID-19 bill. So Governor Evers would then be faced with deciding, uh, agree to things that Democrats don't want to see in order to therefore receive that $50 million uh, average a month from federal food aid money. So long story short, it's possible that the governor could veto the Republican COVID-19 bill, which includes in the Senate side that additional power for the governor to issue an emergency for the purposes of capturing that federal food aid money. Uh, so long story short, he could potentially issue uh, a new health emergency and they can play ping pong and kind of strike it down and then he can issue a new one and then he then it's, they, they, they repeal it again. They could do that uh, possibly. Or secondly, he could agree to this Republican proposal, which I think is unlikely because it has many elements in or several elements in it that Democrats really object to. Well, and even if, you know, let's just say they struck it down and, and Governor Evers did nothing, it's not that you would be stopped from wearing a mask, but there are certainly establishments that only require masks because of this order and it becomes a lot harder to enforce whether it's a place of business or a school building if it is no longer a statewide order that's the argument that these groups that are in favor of the mandate are making right and business groups are as well are are asking for example yesterday i talked with gary witt over at the paps theater group and he was urging the legislature to keep the mask mandate he said it's good for business he says if you want to have concerts again in Milwaukee at all those great theaters that you, you really need, he says, need to have vaccines and a mask mandate. And it has to be universal across the state. Because think about it, Milwaukee has an ordinance on the books that says you have to wear a mask mandate in public places. That is an ordinance in Milwaukee. So there's some, some local 
rules and ordinances that will stay in place that will mandate masks like in Milwaukee. But his point was that we need the whole state because his theaters are bringing people in from the whole region. And if people in their neck of the woods are not requiring masks, they might, he, he thinks, you know, be able to catch uh, COVID-19 and then they're going to come to a concert. So in order to protect everybody at the concerts, when they finally reopen, he says they need those vaccines and they need people to be wearing masks across the region. Well, I think there's also an element of, of the of the cover that it gives to businesses, because there are some that especially exist in communities where maybe the public support isn't so great for masks. And it's one thing as a business to say. Uh, and we've said this throughout the pandemic, but it's one thing as a business owner to say, look, there's nothing I can do about it. It's it's the mandate. The governor says, I don't have a choice. you got to wear one in here. It's another thing to say, yeah, you're not required to, but I want you to. Then that can taint your relationship with your customers. So it does give some of these business owners who may well want people to wear masks in their in their restaurant or their stores to protect their employees. Um and protect other customers, it gives them some cover to say, look, man, it's not my choice. We got to do it. Exactly. And that's what Gary said yesterday. It really takes the onus off the business owner. They can say, hey, it's it's a state it's a state mandate. You, you got to mask up and it kind of covers those those businesses uh, so they don't have to be in opposition to their customers because you want to you want to please your customers and you want to not have to say this is my choice, but you can you know push it on on the state and say this is the governor's choice. So can you please put your mask on when you come into my establishment? Now, of course, masks, uh, we know, are not the only issue going on right now in Madison when it comes to COVID-19. You know, we've talked a lot. Amanda has done a lot of reporting. You've done reporting on the economic fallout of the pandemic and how it exposed some really serious problems with Wisconsin's unemployment insurance system. So now we have Governor Evers asking for some Pretty big dollars to fix that for the future. Jason, what is the governor asking for here and, and how are GOP lawmakers receiving that? So the governor's asked for several million dollars. First of all, right off the bat, he wants $5.3 million to modernize the state's unemployment system. But he's estimating that it's actually going to cost $90 million to, to modernize the state's unemployment system over the course of the next 10 years. So he's asking for some big bucks. He wants that original 5.3 million right away to start the, the process of modernizing the unemployment system. We saw over the last year, and we've talked a lot on this podcast and in, and in our reporting of, of all the, the backlog. Remember, there was that report back in September. Uh, it found that uh, calls to the Wisconsin Department of Workforce Development only point. 5% of those calls from mid-March to late June were actually answered. So again and again, I mean, I remember in several of my stories, we would have sound of people calling into DWD and it would be either a busy signal or they'd get a, a message that said, sorry, we cannot take your call right now because of overwhelming uh, calls coming in. People were really frustrated. They had so many questions about their unemployment benefits. Remember, there was at one point uh, back in, in September around then, nearly 100,000 people were waiting on claims. So we saw months and months and months of people saying, they were kind of stuck in limbo, not knowing for sure if unemployment benefits were going to be approved by the state and wanting to call in, wanting to talk to somebody. And a lot of those calls, like I said, only 0.5% of those calls from March, mid-March to late June were answered. So there was a lot of fire on the DWD. It actually led Governor Evers to fire his uh, secretary of the Department of Workforce Development back in September, back in the fall. And uh, so that was the whole process of many, many months of delays and headaches and pain for people that were looking for help in the midst of this pandemic uh, for unemployment benefits. And uh, so this, the, the, you know, a lot of times the administration would blame the outdated systems. We're talking about computer systems that date back decades 
Um, they said they do, these systems need to be updated and they need to, the mainframe needs to be replaced. And so that's why they're asking, the governor's asking for right now 5.3 million out of a total of 90 million over 10 years. To be clear, the unemployment system was modernized a, a few years ago after they uncovered some similar issues, obviously not to the degree we saw during the pandemic, but the issue is part of the system was modernized and, and part of it wasn't. So there was a shift to really pushing everything online. That was already in place when the pandemic happened. But it's, you know, this this computer program that the Evers administration keeps pointing to. Now, when we talk to some other employment attorneys, they say, yeah, updating that computer program is is fine, but there are still some underlying problems in our system that are are contributing to the backlog. So for example, people getting confused by the unemployment questions, not getting walked through some of the nuances of each question in as great of detail. And and that's something that employment attorneys have told me DWD could fit the Department of Workforce Development which runs the system could fix right now if they wanted to and that seems to be, in a weird way, that seems to be an argument that Republican lawmakers are making, that it's not just about this computer system. The issue is some of these practices do go back to former Republican Governor Scott Walker unemployment reforms that Republican state lawmakers don't want to walk back. So it can be a really convoluted argument, and there doesn't seem to be consensus about what's actually causing the problem here. Right. Yeah. And I know that one of the lawyers that testified at the Capitol last week, uh, Victor, and I forgot his last name. You, Victor Forberger. Him. Yeah, that's right. And man, I know you've interviewed him in several of your stories. And, and he he was kind of saying, well, yeah, the computer modernization, like, yeah, the main we need a new mainframe, but that's four years down the road. And he was saying also in other states that have used some of these modernization practices, he says, actually led to more delays. As you're mentioning, there's computer hiccups and questions about what does this form actually mean when you're filling it out digitally. So, you know, he was, he was kind of taking a middle position and saying, well, yeah, the mainframe needs to be fixed, but at the same time, that's a long way down the road. And there's, there's things, processes and policies in place right now that need to be fixed. I don't know what the solution is. I, I think you've got people blaming personnel. So you've got, you know, Republicans sometimes criticizing the personnel and saying that, you know, the leadership of DWD is making mistakes and they need to, you know, look for solutions. And, and then you also have the Democrats that say, well, it's the technology that needs to be fixed. So you've got kind of this technology versus personnel. And I think Victor kind of takes a middle ground and says, well, everything needs to be fixed. And there's a lot of problems in the system, but also in just the policies and, and the forms that you're asking people to fill out as well. I know having been in some of these hearings uh, in the legislature when they've talked to Department of Workforce Development, one of the hesitations in just throwing money at the problem, particularly an IT problem, is that in Wisconsin, we have a fairly recent history of having blown tens of millions of dollars on some computer programming that didn't turn out to be what was advertised or, or, or what it should have been. So there's some real hesitancy at just throwing out uh, big bucks without knowing a lot of the details of what's going to happen. Where does this go now? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of talk about needing upgrades, but, in, you know, the devil's always in the details, right? Where does this go now? So, it, well, the governor did, after the state of uh, his state of the state address, he did issue and, and order a special session of the legislature. That's one of the powers the governor has to call that special session. He called it on unemployment to, 
ask them to look at his proposal to modernize the unemployment system. The assembly and the Senate gaveled in, they kept that session open so they could conceivably bring up an unemployment issue on a different day, but in effect, they, they gaveled in, they, they immediately adjourned. Um, so that that's one issue is the special session, but there's also gonna be coming up the budget process, right? So the governor will this month be revealing his 2021, his, his budget for the next two years. And so you'll see some of these fights take place in, in the budgeting process over modernizing DWD and, and, and what kind of funds they may need for the future. But Republicans were saying that they thought DWD already had money available to modernize the system and that they wanted to see the governor and the administration using some of those funds that they that they may already have in the system to to modernize and they didn't want to they didn't want to approve this additional and new 5.3 million. Well Jason, I feel like we always say this, but you're going to be very busy over the next several weeks with this and all the budget stuff going on. So thanks for making some time to talk to us. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. So now when we first launched Open Record a couple of years ago, we were bringing you new episodes once every week. That was always the plan. The COVID-19 pandemic changed everything. So during the initial emergency last March, we started doing daily episodes five days a week because so much was happening and this was all brand new to us. And it was a lot to do along with our regular news duties. So uh, a couple of months later, we dropped back to our current twice a week format, and there's been plenty to cover on open record since then. But starting next week, we are going to return to our original schedule of one new episode per week. That was always the plan, and we're finally moving back to that. But we're also going to bring back a piece of the podcast that's been left out since last March, what we once called our dinner party question. And I don't know if that's what we'll call it, because we're not going to many dinner parties these days. <laughs> no, we're but, not. But uh, whatever we call it, we're going to get back to this segment uh, toward the end of the podcast where we answer questions submitted by listeners like you that help you get to know us a little bit better. It adds some levity. It also gives you some insight into us, some personality. We enjoy doing it, and and we'd like to bring that back. So uh, we are still going to be recording two episodes this week, but next week we'll resume that original format. And we would love to hear from you with your questions for Amanda, Jenna, Jason, and me, any of the others here who have been regulars on the podcast. And we just like to know what topics you'd like us to discuss as well on Open Record. So if there's a topic you want us to discuss, an issue you think we should investigate, or a question you'd like to know more about us, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. Again, that is fox6investigators at fox.com. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't done that already. You can find it wherever you do your podcast listening. With that, I'm Amanda St. Hilaire, and for Brian Polson, we will be back on Thursday. Thursday.